Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Uh, good morning. Yeah, that's okay. It's a great song. Uh, if this is your first time here, my name's Tim. I'm the senior pastor here at the church, and we are launching a new series for the next three weeks, Songs We Sing. This song is like the biggest Christmas song of all time. It has made $50 million for Mariah, and it was written in about 20 minutes. It only has three musicians on it, and actually, the guy that wrote the music with her Hated the tune. He thought it sounded like scales. Da, 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 da. He's like, man, all you're doing is practicing vocal scales. And she was like, stick with me. Stick with me. And out comes this song, 15, 20 minutes written. And now it's like the 11th highest selling single of all time. $50 million, as I said. 3.2 million downloads. How many of you have down, you know, I've had to listen to this song a lot over the last couple of weeks. I want you to know. Yeah. And uh, hey, here is an interesting note. A goat herder in England put this song on for his goats. And Tim and Cindy Howe, you need to listen to this. Uh, and found out that their goats, his goats, when, he, when they listened to this song, they produced a half pint more goat milk. That's right. But when they put the chipmunk song on, the goats just totally locked up. They like, I can't do it. They just, you know, that was it. So you know, there's something about this song. And, and uh, it is the number one song. And we're taking a look at uh, three songs that, uh, and I tried to, this is number one across all, every list you can find. And some of the other ones I just could not force into any theological box, no matter how hard I tried. But the other two are on the top 10 list, top 15 list, so I hope you'll hang in there with us. Uh, this song also, the, the writer, uh, the songwriter said that it was so pitifully uh, simple that uh, he didn't think anybody would like it. But even this song has been studied where we found out there's like 17 different chord, you musicians will appreciate this, 17 different chord styles within the song with a minor subdominant chord. You know what that is, right? Anyway, it, it shows up in White Christmas, Irving Berlin's great song, and all of this. And so there is a science to all of this of how these songs touch our heart, how they reach us, and, and how they do something. Because I'm watching your faces when that song was playing. And, you know, some of you were singing along and you were smiling. It's just amazing what music and a good song will do for us. And so Jesus, you know, Jesus said this in Matthew 13, 17, when he was uh, talking to his friends and talking to those also that were challenging him at the time. He said, for truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it. And hear what you hear, but did not hear it. For 1,500 years, basically, there were people going, all I want is to see the Messiah come. The prophets spoke of it over and over and over again. And Jesus, when he came on the scene, says, he's here. And people have waited a long time to see me. And you're 
You're not seeing it. You're just not getting it. But I'm here. So you've got a hand, uh, fill in on the back side of your handout. If you'll flip it over, you can follow along with me this morning as uh, we talk about all we want for Christmas. So, Father, I ask your blessings this morning. Well, uh, thank you for the worship this morning, God, for the children that uh, remind us of how you entered life here, that you did humble yourself, like the song we just sang, in such a way that you, I don't know how you, it's just amazing, God, you put yourself in a small, frail baby body to come to this earth. And, uh, Lord, we want to be awed. We want to never lose, Father, a sense of magnificence in this. And this morning, we ask for you to help us grasp a bit more of this. And Holy Spirit, you are welcome here in this place. We love you, Holy Spirit. We appreciate you being here. Please come and minister to us. Teach us, Jesus. You said he would come, the Holy Spirit, and teach us all things. So move into our heart, move through our heart, and make this real to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, no other religion uh, like Christianity, no other religion has such detailed prophecies as the coming of Christ has. Not one. You, if you've done a comparative religions course in college or you studied, if you go back, and some of this is missing in those comparative uh, courses, but if you will go back and look, there's, you know, the, none of the major religions have this of the Messiah, of their leader, of their founder, having so many, 18 were fulfilled just in his birth. 18 are the prophecies. And uh, no, this won't talk us into believing, but my prayer is that if you take stock of the, just the statistics and just of the possibilities and probabilities that you will go, I want to know more. I would like to know more about this Jesus. I would like to hear more about it. And indeed, it is a mysterious and wonderful thing when God breaks into our heart and, and reveals himself. And suddenly, we're changed in that moment. But there is so much that causes us, just like Jesus said. So many long for this day and look for that day and wanted this day to come. That if we take stock of it, if we will just go in and take a look, it will cause you to ponder, is this real? How could this happen? Um, the virgin birth itself, you know, in Isaiah, prophesied almost 700 years prior to it ever happening. And it's fulfilled in Matthew 1 and Luke 1. The location of his birth in Bethlehem from Micah 5. You know, 600, 700 years prior as well. And it's fulfilled in uh, Matthew 2. His lineage that... Uh, I think when we started training pastors here, preachers here, back seven, eight years ago with the first group, uh, that was their first sermon they had to preach. Is they had to take the lineage of Christ and preach through it. And they thought it was a big challenge, but it's one of the easiest things you'll ever preach through. Because it's an amazing document of how God, all through the ages and through history, was shouting, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming to earth, I'm coming to earth. And just that, the lineage over, if you want to go back even to Genesis, it's maybe 13, 1400 years prior, God was sending up the signals that, hey, Messiah is coming one day. Get ready. And it's also noteworthy to see that God starts so broadly when he talks about the Messiah coming to earth. It's huge, right? Jesus is coming Huge. Where is he coming to? And then suddenly as the prophecies continue and as we get to the Gospels, it gets more focused and more focused. 
and more focused as it goes down through the ages. And as the prophets and the people of all old look forward to that day. Until finally there's a small light on a woman named Mary. In a very small insignificant village called Bethlehem. God all through eternity is just saying. Look, 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 look. Here I come. God has done everything he can do to try to grab our attention and to say there's something amazing happening. Your first feeling is this. And all of these are all I want for Christmas. Saying, what do you want for Christmas? You know, you got to, I already got my Christmas present. I got some surf last week, so I was, I'm good. And uh, all I want for Christmas, and this was the people then, and I think it is now as well, is some good news. All I want for Christmas is some good news. I'm a little taller than Penny here. Raise this up. In Luke 1.28, we read, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. This young, betrothed woman. Greetings. The Lord is with you. And it says that she goes... What kind of greeting is this? It's like it's such good news. What could this possibly mean? Why is it so good? And then in 2.10 we read, But the angel said to them, the shepherds, and I really relate with the shepherds because these were the rednecks of the day. And uh, the shepherds were out in the field and, and the angel said to these guys, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for a few people. For all the people, for all kinds of people, every person. And it says, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth to those on whom his favor rests. It is good news that Jesus has come. Joy, I mean, you get good news. Someone, imagine someone comes to you and says, I have good news for you. And then all of a sudden, this choir just, can you see this? It's like a Saturday Night Live sketch or something. And all of a sudden, this choir goes, you know, right, right around you. It's like, and all of heaven is just announcing to you that something fantastic is happening. There's some good news. One of the reasons this song was written, uh, the co-writer said, was because most Christmas music is kind of slow. And uh, this guy, uh, who I don't know whether he's a believer or not, but he said his Kind of da- most Christmas music is a little dour. Well, I don't know if I agree with him about that. But he said the thing that this song, what I, all I want for Christmas is you, is it's happy, and it touches something. Well, folks, the original coming of the one they were looking for for so long was the most joyful event ever. I mean, it came to a, a small town to a. a Young lady who was wondering what was going on with her life. It came to some shepherds, the working class man. And it came to some uh, wise men from Persia, the ancient Babylonians that were out, who were the kingmakers of the day. It came to them as well. And they traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles, probably for months, to get there to hear the good news and see the baby Jesus. This is good news for everybody. For everyone. And boy, do we need some good news today, huh? I mean, we need some good news. And, and in this was the children were singing as we were all worshiping together. And I was just watching. It was, it's like this panoramic view of Jesus when he found the woman, when he came upon the woman that was about to be stoned. 
for being caught in adultery, caught in the act. And I could see him leaning down in the ground and looking at her and asking, where's your accusers? And then it's like a, a scene went by me again and he's sitting at the well with this woman who's been married five times, is living with her sixth boyfriend. And the seventh man, the complete number that she meets is Jesus at the well. And all of these are passing before me while we're singing a while ago. And I'm thinking, this is good news. I mean, this is worth being happy about. This is the greatest thing that has ever occurred on the face of this planet. There is good news. All I think the world is looking for and all that many of us are looking for is good news. Good news. Uh, is it good news to you? I mean, does it, does it grab you? Does it shake you? Does it grab you deep inside and go, this is something very strange and wonderful that has occurred in Christ's coming. The second one is this. All I want for Christmas is to be noticed. All I want for Christmas is for somebody just to know that I'm alive. I just want somebody to take note. Listen to these words in Luke 1.28. Greetings to you who are highly as highly favored. <clears throat> the Lord is with you. And she hasn't done anything. Not one thing. She was insignificant. And other than this story, would have never heard of Mary ever. None of this. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And in Luke 2, 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. And we're so used to believing that we have to earn the favor of anyone, or parents, whoever, that our whole lives sometimes are driven by that seeking of favor. That I just want to be noticed, so maybe if I do this, if I do that, somebody will notice me. Someone will pay attention to me, realize I'm here. When, when Jesus comes, and he comes to this little girl and to this little insignificant town and because you're highly favored. Why? Because God said so. And that's enough for you. Jesus came for you. Like it says, for all people. Good news for all people. <coughs> Simeon, as you read on over in Luke, the second chapter, was an old man who has been praying and looking forward to Messiah coming. He was one of those that is just looking toward the future Going, one day, this is all I want for Christmas. One day I'll get to see him. And God had promised Simeon. He said, you will not die until you see him. You will not die until you see the Messiah. And once he sees Jesus, he grabs him in his arms and he holds him close to, to him. And he says this, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. I'm ready to go. I've seen him. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. That's big news. Though it was forecast hundreds and hundreds of years before, Simeon affirms that this Messiah, this Jesus that has come, is not just for one group, but it's for the Gentiles, all of us, every one of us. For the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. It's for all. He has come for all. You know, it's kind of like Jesus, isn't it? He notices the people that nobody else notices. Have you picked up that from watching his story? Uh, 
I have a, some homework for you to do. Okay? You're never more like Jesus than you are when you walk into a room and you find the most uh, unnoticed person and you go notice them. And I, I challenge you to do that. When you leave today, when you're shopping, when you're in uh, your favorite coffee place, when you're at your parties, Christmas parties, when you walk in the door, ask the Lord to give you his eyes. And look for the person that nobody's talking to. Look for the person who feels like maybe they shouldn't even be there. And go over to them. And say hi or wish them a Merry Christmas. Just smile. And say hey. Let them know you're never more like Jesus than you are right then. In that moment. I think everybody wants to be noticed. Everybody wants to know that God has not just the plan, but that he knows you and yet he still has poured favor on you. Right? Now, if you knew me, you wouldn't love me, but God goes, I know you inside and out. I mean, I knew, knew you before you were born and I know every frailty, failure, every faux pas, Everything that's happened in your life, I know it, and you're my favorite one. And there are a lot of people that don't believe that. Dare I say, we don't believe that, right? A lot of the time. I sometimes struggle with that. I'm like, okay, God, let me read it again. Sure, you know. You read it again because I do believe that's part of this. That's why the angels kept saying, oh, Mary, you're favored. Mary, God has chosen you. And to the shepherds who are just working hard out in the field. It's like, hey, we want you to be a part of this. Right down to the Persians. Come, we want you to be a part of this. There's no insignificant person when it comes to Christ. Or come to what, comes to what he did for us. But we all ask. We all are not sure. I mean, Moses, right? When he got chosen, he was an old man, 80 years old. He'd lived a pretty rough life and just trying to get away from all of his failures and have a family and live. And God comes to him and Moses responds with, who am I? Right? And I mean, we do the same thing, but God says, now I want you. David, David, little boy, got all these good looking brothers. I mean, he's the punk of the clan, you know, and God says, no, I want you. And David says the same thing. Who am I? Who am I? One of my favorite stories, Mephibosheth. Oh, that's a mouthful, isn't it? Mephibosheth. Can you say it? It sounds like an Italian meal. You know, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was one of Jonathan's children, Saul's grandchild. And it's one of my favorite stories because he had become lame, having been dropped off a horse onto his legs when he was very small and he couldn't walk. And I said, drag himself around. And over in 2 Samuel 9, David... One day says, is there any relatives of Jonathan left that I can show favor to? And for me, when I read that, knowing that Jesus is the son of David, as he was declared, as part of that lineage, I can also see in that Jesus going, is there anybody here that I can show favor to? And you know, the guy says, yeah, there's one. There's this guy, Mephibosheth, this young man who's... Who's lame, he can't walk. He, and, and David says, go get him. Go get him. 
And so they go and get Mephibosheth and they bring him to the king. And you know what Mephibosheth says? He bows low and he says, my paraphrase, he says, what would cause you to notice? And this is little, such a dog as me. Such a dog as me. David takes him and says, give him everything that Saul and Jonathan owned. Give it to him, which was a lot. And then he says, this guy is going to eat at my table every single day. And from 40 years ago, when I first read this, this, again, I see like movies sometimes. I see David and his mighty warriors. You know, if you're a man, you've read these things, Joab and all these guys that look like lions and they killed all these animals and rah, you know. And I can just see David sitting at his table with all these mighty men of valor at the table. And all of a sudden, they want to eat. You know, you see all these movies with the big drumsticks. And they're, and they're, and they're waiting. And David says, no, nobody lift a hand. Wait. And then you hear this coming down the hall. And Mephibosheth comes in the room. And they put him up on the chair. And then David looks around that room and he says, now we can eat. Everybody wants to be noticed. And the message of God in Jesus Christ is that we've all been looking for that. And in Christ, we find a Savior and we find the Lord who loves us and gave himself for us because we are highly favored of the Lord. All I want for Christmas is to be noticed. Third one is this. All I want for Christmas is a little mercy. Is a little mercy. If I could just get a little mercy... Right now, it sure would be nice. Look in Luke 150. says, His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. And Luke 167 through 79, this is Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, once he finally got it and he started prophesying himself. Uh, it says, His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation. Horn of salvation is the authority of salvation. The horn shows the strength that he has come, that he's mighty to save. Horn of salvation. Praise be to the Lord God of Israel. He has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. For he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. You get this? You don't have to serve him in fear anymore. You don't have to quake in your boots about, I'm going to get one thing wrong. This is a fulfillment of Ezekiel 36, where it says, One day I'm going to put my laws in your heart. I'm going to forgive you, give you a new heart, take away the stony heart, put a soft heart in you, and then I'm going to move you to obey my commands. In other words, we can't do it without him. So he's going to come, and this is what Zechariah is prophesying, and the Holy Spirit is going to come in Jesus Christ, and he is going to help us. He's going to show us mercy in the fact that we can't do it. You know, the law couldn't do it. All the law did was prove that we can't do this. Good as the law was, the law said, you can't measure up. You can't measure up. And that's why Jesus came. You know what? 
The political situation at that time showed no mercy, especially to people like Mary. Or as we saw, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, right? If you read the story, there was no mercy in the political system. There was no mercy in the economic environment at that time. 99.99% of the people were desperately poor. There was no hope there. There was no mercy in that system. There was no mercy in the ethnically based culture of that time. None. There was no mercy from the devil, that's for sure. And you know what? There's no mercy from sin. It is a tyrant over our lives of whom we can't do anything about without a Savior who will come to live within us and move us to obey. All we want for Christmas is a little mercy, Lord. But yeah, you send your son. You send the grandest, most beautiful act of mercy this world has ever known in your own son to show us favor. What do you want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? You know, another question I think is this. What do you think God wants for Christmas? Here's what I think. I think all God wants for Christmas is you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Jesus, we're overwhelmed with your grace and your mercy for us. And today, Lord, in this room are people of whom you have poured out your mercy and of whom, Lord, you are now pouring your mercy out in such a way that they could respond to you and receive you. During this Christmas season. So while we're praying. I, I do. I want to ask. Is that. Is today your day? Is the day. When you hear. Jesus calling you. Is the day when you would respond. I want to pray for you. If. If this is you. And you know that God is moving on you. Would you slip your hand up. Just to let me know. So I can pray for you. I think you know in your heart. If God is like. Pulling. I believe that. Yes. Thank you. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak to the hearts of those who look for mercy, Lord. Who look for justice. Who look for hope today, God. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.